0: Aloha! You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with Rafael Barlow, and we're going to be talking March Madness and NBA draft prospects. Watch out for! Here we go. Right, he's Raphael Barlow, Director of Scouting for NBA Big Board. Uh, I'm Chad Ford. We're gonna try to get through this podcast today. Internet connection isn't as great as we'd normally like it to be, but we're gonna try to get um, through it right now and talk about uh, some March Madness, and especially what Raphael Barlow and I are looking at in March Madness, which is NBA draft prospects, and who might be uh, the guys that are gonna really help their draft stock um, this year. Raphael, I'm gonna start with just a general um, question. Should March Madness, affect a players draft stock they played 30 college games they played all these high school games should one or two or three or four games in the tournament boost or destroy a players draft stock you know i think it's hard
1: to take out the human element of it you know it a lot of it's easy to remember the last thing that we saw so if a guy had you know 30 points on I don't know 15 of 18 field goals it's hard to erase that out of your memory and you may think like okay he's trending upward I think in some cases you know like let's say if it's a Keegan Murray if he has a bad NCAA tournament his resume for the year should speak for itself but if it's someone like let's say it's like Alex Fudge from LSU and he has like this performance where he's five blocks four steals locks up a a Johnny Davis, then I think that will help him out more than someone that we've seen get consistent 30 minutes over over the course of the season. So I want to say yes and no. I think it just varies and depends
0: on who the player is. I think that's a great point. Um, I'm generally a guy that says that it shouldn't matter, um, that big boards shouldn't be jumping up and down based off of you know uh, what a player does in the tournament but there's been enough research I think done in this ish area that I think people generally see that there is a tick up and I think it's partly recency bias Uh in one these are the last times that you see the player play competitively and also I think it's a function of you start to get NBA coaches and general managers more engaged in the scouting process at this time of the year than maybe early in the year now NBA scouts they've been Deeply engaged all year, and some general managers are just like their scouts. They're out on the road all the time scouting, or whatever. It really depends on the team. But for some general managers, you know, it's it's just more recently maybe the conference tournaments and now uh, March Madness, where they're really paying attention carefully for the first time. And so their body of work that they're seeing is more limited than like the NBA scout that's just out on the road 24/7 all year long. And so I, I do think that that's partly why we see this bump. Um, every year. Uh, but this is the last time you're going to see players play five-on-five five unless unless they play uh, in the Combine or, um, you know, at Portsmouth or something else like that. But it's just a different scenario. And so, yeah, it's a great opportunity for players. I, I absolutely think so. So let's talk about the guy, first of all, in this segment that I think um, is already number one on some people's boards. But I absolutely think he's got the best shot of, like, improving his resume for the number one pick, and that's Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga. Because if there's been a knock on Holmgren, it's that he's been playing the West Coast Conference. And while there's some good teams there, they had um, four tournament teams, uh, or maybe three tournament teams uh, in, in the tournament, there weren't dominant big men that Chet Holmgren was coming at, playing against every night. The, the, he wasn't playing against the elite bigs uh, that he might be playing at against in, in the NBA. And it seems like the tournament just did us a favor. I have to feel like there were some draft picks on the on the bracket because they give us a potential matchup with Jalen Duran uh, in the second round. Duran uh, was the number one ranked prospect in his class before reclassifying, uh, and then in the Sweet Sixteen, he could be up against Jalen Williams, a sophomore out of Arkansas that I that I really like as well, and is a is definitely a really good matchup. And then they could meet Duke. In the Elite Eight, with Mark Williams and Paulo Boncaro there, we might get a rematch uh, of those two guys who are ranked one and two on, on boards. And so I, I really feel like the committee did us a favor here. For those of us that, like, really wanted to see Chet go against the top bigs uh, that are out there, I, I really think they lined up really nicely for him. So I guess my question for you is, let's start with Durin, Chet. Um, th- those are two really different players. Uh, with one, a, a much more physical, strong, already looks like an NBA vet, um, but more of a traditional center game. And then you've got Chet, who's the skinny unicorn and can do everything. How, how did you see that matchup going? Also knowing that, you know, Drew Timmy is also a center for Gonzaga. And so at times it's going to be Timmy and uh, Jalen Duran as well. But I, I'm I'm assuming we're going to see them matched up at some point if Memphis makes it uh, to the second round. What, what do you think about that matchup? Yes, that's just a, like you said, is it's a, Totally different
1: styles. you got this physical presence in, in Duran, and then you got Chet, who's a, a buck ninety-five. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's a situation where, I mean, I think Chet is going to come out on top in that matchup just because he has better players around him and he has guards. But it's going to be interesting to see, at least what I'll be paying the most attention to is the rebounding. Like, can Chet grab a rebound against... Duran, when, when he's boxed out, is he going to be boxed out under the basket like we saw earlier in the season? I think Duran is going to have some trouble scoring just because. And I actually went to the Memphis game on Saturday, and you could see how hard he works and how he fights for post position and he sprints down the floor, but they just can't get him the ball because he doesn't have the shooters. Now it's, it's going to make it even tougher with Chet's ridiculous wingspan denying him the ball in the post. And um, I'm going to be looking to, for, to see that and then seeing how hard Duran's motor runs after 18 to 20 minutes when he's only got the ball in the post two times or, you know, how, how much effort is. And I saying that he doesn't bring a lot of effort, but, you know, it's just natural to, you know, if you realize you're not going to get any post touches or, or every shot that you, you get is because you had to grab an offensive rebound and create it. It can kind of make your, your motor run a little slow. So that's what I'll be paying attention to. But overall, it's a great matchup. It's it's a matchup that, you know, guys like me and you are going to be paying attention to. And the marketing behind it is going to be great. That's if we get the matchup. That's the thing about the NCAA tournament. You We all have a tendency to look ahead. And we know every year someone gets upset. But I think it's going to be a, a, a good matchup. And if Duren can actually come out and, I mean, think he had a 2020 game in the conference tournament and if he can put up one of those games then i think that could really help his stock maybe bump him up a few spots but it's going to be tough
0: i I agreed a big tournament for duran could put him right in like the fourth or fifth spot in this draft um where i see him kind of a little bit later in the top 10 um i don't it's not a big jump but you could see him you know maybe leapfrogging aj griffin keegan murray uh, you know guys like that uh, maybe even J- uh, Jay ivy uh jumping ahead of those guys with a with a big uh with a big game all right let's that that's one we're gonna have to again forecast again let, let Memphis is a ninth seed by the way and so it's going to be an upset for even th- for them to get there but a small upset Arkansas's Jalen Williams uh, he's a sophomore but he's, he's he's young he's really the same, same age as a freshman again a, a, a very different type of type of player uh, very crafty um, like high good feel for the game good passer a lot of energy another guy that's going to have a great motor I think probably a better motor e- even really than Durin how do you see Chet Jalen Williams lining up
1: now if I'm Williams this is like my my matchup this is a situation where that I can really pad my bank account a, a strong matchup against Gonzaga could really put him you know, it could put him ahead of, you know, someone like Mark Williams or, or some other guys. And I think for him, it's just a matter of him being aggressive. I, I started watching his film maybe a couple of months ago, and I was intrigued by the skills. I mean, you see flashes of a guy that can knock down shots. He is a, a good athlete, a good passer, but there are times where I feel like he's just too unselfish, and he... Um, you know he he doesn't he's not assertive enough on the offensive end so if, if this is a if, if it's a situation where he is assertive and he you know has a, a more aggressive mindset and he dominates then I think he could really put himself in position to be depending on if you consider Chet a center, but there's a chance that he could put himself
0: in position to be maybe the second or third center drafted. I think he's a really intriguing one and definitely one of my sleepers. Uh, and he, he there's this is a fourth seed, so this would be elite eight if Arkansas gets there. But they'd be favored to get there in that matchup um, versus Gonzaga. And uh, absolutely a guy, a guy I have a second-round ranking on right now, but a guy that just needs a couple of big games in the tournament, I think to be one that would definitely move up and and we'd be talking about him just like you said um in that same you know with mark williams walker kessler um you know some of the other bigs uh that we're talking about all right they've already matched they matched up in high school they matched up in november uh paulo bancaro chet holmgren also mark williams is there by the way so this is this is two teams that sort of deploy two bigs that could be centers or fours, um, you know, depending on how you want to look at it. Boncaro got the better of Holmgren in their earlier matchup. Uh, They've won Duke, won the game. And I I just think overall Boncaro was better. But Chet's improved so much as the seasons come on now. I I really think that this could determine, this matchup might determine which guy goes off, off the board first. Um, between Chet and Paolo because it's actually really rare that you get to see top prospects that are so closely on the big board like together and now you're going to be able to compare them twice if Boncaro has a really big game against Chet again you know the argument's going to be strong for him to go ahead of uh, Holmgren if Holmgren can dominate that game and that matchup along with Mark Williams man the buzz for him to be the number one pick in the draft I think is going to get really loud how do you see that matchup going?
1: Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the year, I remember being in Barcelona and setting my alarm for two, o'clock, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to watch that game. And coming into that game, I had checked clear-cut number one. And then that's when I started to shift to, I feel like I'm the leader of the Carroll bandwagon as the number one pick right now. And then I, I think even with that game, I felt like Van Carroll was going to score 30 if he didn't have the cramping issues because he had like 18 in the first half or something like that. I mean, he came out as if like he took it personal that he's that, you know Chet is even being compared to him. And then Mark Williams had a huge game. I thought that was one of his better games of, of the season. It would be interesting because you got, like you say, two teams with four post players <laughs> that are – potentially going to be in in this draft and how I can't think of the last time we've seen that. But then I think like, you know, on one hand you can say Chet has improved and I think Gonzaga's using him a little bit different. They figured out like the best way to use him as like this transition three-point shooter. But then it's like, did he get that much better and did Gonzaga figure out a way to use him or did the competition scale off? Because they had a pretty brutal non-conference schedule and Chet was good. He showed flashes, but you can't say like he was great during the non-conference schedule. And then with Bancaro, Carroll, I mean Duke's schedule in the ACC is obviously a lot tougher. And I also feel like Duke has changed the way they've used Bancaro. Carroll He's not playing with the ball in his hands as much as he was earlier in the season, and I think that has to do with the emergence of Trevor Kills and And then Duke has, I mean, it's like the point guard by committee. So overall, I think that in a matchup, I don't know, we could hype it up as Chet versus Bancaro and Drew Timmy could score 30. (laughs) Or or Mark Williams could have a 15.10 rebound five block game. But I mean, it's box office and you can make a case and say that game will be the most watched game in the tournament. It could even have a bigger audience than the Final Four. That's just how how big of a game it could be. But I think that uh, i got to stick with my— You're talking about
0: 10 NBA draft prospects between those those two teams.
1: Yeah, Um, twice. uh,
0: Duke with potential potential five guys in the first round. Gonzaga probably only two in the first round, but several other prospects uh, on their team— that are absolutely draft prospects. In fact, you could actually argue six, given the the freshman backcourt of Hunter Salas and um, uh, Nolan Hickman, uh, who probably won't be in this draft, and probably would be smart to wait a year. But yeah, you're talking about from a from a draft perspective. From like you and I, like when do you get to see that many prospects all playing against each other? Uh, it 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 will it will be must must watch TV. But look, the Final Four is and and the Elite Eight is um, um, as well. And by the way, a you know a a duke or uh, gonzaga versus arizona game will also be loaded um, with nba prospects or if auburn makes it there and now jabari smith could get head up against boncaro or Chad. i mean that's that's also must watch tv He's I mean, get there's by a Keegan lot of really cool, first. <laughs> yeah got a lot of cool outcomes that are there uh, let's talk about a new sponsor. We got a new sponsor, uh, and I, I just got a I, I just got a gift box from him, and it's absolutely delicious. They're called Athletic Greens. And uh, I've been tasting it for several weeks now. I absolutely love it. It doesn't taste like some super healthy vitamin um, drink. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that that actually I I really look forward to every morning. Um, So what's with the stuff? Um, With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptgens, To help you start your day right, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. Yes, all of those things. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. That's a big deal with vitamins and and why this drink is specially uh, formulated uh, to help your body digest this uh, food. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. This stuff tastes good. It costs you less than $3 a day, so you're investing in your health, and frankly, it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it, no need for a million different pills and supplements to take uh, a lot, to take a look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Actually it tastes really good uh, and it's a great supplement uh, in the morning. Okay, we're back with Raphael Barlow, director of scouting, NBA Big Board. He's got his top 10 uh, NBA draft prospects to watch in both the East region as well as the Midwest region. You can check those out. Uh, I'm also writing about my top 10 prospects in the West uh, and the South. Uh, And so together, that's 40 prospects. Deep dive on those guys as well as some others to watch as well. You can find all of that over... At NBABigBoard.com, our newsletter um, that you can subscribe to, and of course, we'll be back after the first couple of rounds of the tournament, breaking down on NBABigBoard.com who helped their stock, who hurt their stock, um, all the latest sort of draft buzz, uh, and we'll be doing that all throughout the NCAA tournament. So make sure you go give it, give us your email at NBABigBoard.com and subscribe today. Raphael, I want to talk about okay, we talked about a couple of the big number one guys or whatever, um, but. I know I don't know about you, but there's always guys that I kind of fall in love with. I'm not saying like okay they're going to be the best player in the draft or what have you, but they're just guys that that I like to watch and you know that I, you know have a little draft crush on. Uh, even though I, I know there might be sort of best prospects out there, who should who should listeners l- watch in the NCAA tournament that Rafael Barlow has a has a draft crush on?
1: I'm gonna go with Tari Eason. From LSU. Okay. He's oh, this. man, that was going to be one of mine, so okay. lay it out. Yeah, think we think alike. I mean, when I watch Easton play, I mean, one, he's come out of nowhere. He definitely wasn't someone that we talked about coming into the season, transferred from Cincinnati. He scores, he rebounds, he plays hard, he defends, and, I mean, I know there's a lot going on with LSU off the court that could have an impact on, you know, how they play in the tournament. But he's someone that I could see just having a a, a breakout tournament, just because he's he's such a, a unique prospect in a sense. Because he's is he a four? Is he a three? Sometimes they play him at the five. He can score off the dribble. He he just such a, a a Swiss Army knife. And then his teammate, who hasn't played a lot of minutes. I think he's only played like ten minutes in the last three games. But if if there's someone that and you mentioned it. In in a a prior article and in a prior podcast, but if there's someone that if you like watching defense, a guy that just gets after it and is a disruptor on the defensive end, Alex Fudge is is your guy. So um, those are two guys that I kind of have draft crushes on. One is obviously he's going to play. And then the other one, you're just kind of wondering, like, all right, if they play Iowa State, is he going to have to guard Isaiah Brockington or if they advanced and they faced. Wisconsin is, you know, Alex Fudge going to get the opportunity to, to be a, a lockdown defender against Johnny Davis. So those are two of the guys that stand out to me the most.
0: I really like that pick. Uh, it was one of the two of both of those guys that I was gravitating towards. Uh, and interestingly, both of them come off the bench for LSU. Doesn't make a lot of sense that Terry Easton comes off the bench because he ends up still getting 25, 25 minutes a night. His numbers, when you adjust them to per 36, uh, are are literally like maybe behind Keegan Murray like some of the best on our draft board and the high steal rate and high block rate is especially something that the analytic folks look at as a as a strong indicator of athleticism and ability to to, to get things done on the defensive end um at the next level and like you said he's a really versatile guy and I, I used to knock him kind of earlier in the season because he he didn't you know, the three point game wasn't his strong suit but he's actually been shooting the ball a lot better as well. He doesn't take a ton of threes but he's actually got his three point shooting up to a respectable number now and I think that I like that term like Swiss army knife like so many ways so much versatility. He's not nearly in the same category as Scotty Barnes uh, who, you know, it was a better prospect than a guy that, you know, we had as uh, as, a, as a tier 2 prospect. But some of that same versatility of where you can use Terry Eason in a number of different ways, uh, defending a number of different positions, he can do a lot of things offensively as well. Uh, I, I think he's a great pick. And yeah, Alex Fudge was for a while putting up historic, his block rate and steal rate together were historic in like NCAA history. His minutes have dwindled, and, and I don't think he's quite there um, anymore. But like like you said, Raphael, like if you're going to watch a guy defensively, that's uh, awesome. Um, I'm going to take a, a little known guy, too. And look, we may only get one game out of him. And I hope we get more because in that second game, we'll get, also get to see him against Gonzaga. But Jalen Duran's teammate, Josh Minot, who also comes off the bench, is a guy who uh, is one of the great athletes in this draft uh, really again, another guy defensively that really pops, doesn't always get the minutes that you would hope that he would get kind of when you look at the, the analytics splits, it questions sometimes why Penny Hardaway doesn't have him on the, on the floor more. Uh, but a guy that I think all he needs is one or two big games and everybody is going to be buzzing about this freshman, uh, as another guy that, that, that could be a, a first round pick. And then, um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say another guy that I, I've I've really been impressed with how he's played lately, and he's a guy who I think could be a breakout guy just in that his team could go deep in the tournament, which is Kennedy Chandler out uh, of Tennessee, uh, who has really played great basketball. His shooting's there. He's one of the quickest players in the draft. He's little. He's only six foot, but has a 6'5 wingspan, um, really can get to the basket. Uh, and he's just been playing great basketball, and Tennessee's been playing great basketball. And, you know, usually it's the guards. If we know that are sort of usually the breakout guys that can drive it. And I could, I could see Kennedy Chandler having a big NCAA tournament, Tennessee upsetting some guys. I think they should have been a two seed, like, going you know, maybe making the final four and being a guy that now is back sort of in lottery conversation. Uh, what do you think about uh, Kennedy Chandler and Josh Minot?
1: Yeah, I actually watched Minot play um, this, this past weekend. It wasn't like an, an impressive game. I think he's just like a guy that doesn't have a position. He's, he's looks, he looks like a wing, has the, you know, the, the physical, the body type of a wing, but his game is more like a blue collar, Four, You know, just kind of gets a bunch of hustle point. Um, He didn't really have a a big game, the game that I saw. But you can just see, like, the physical tools, and, and that's what makes him intriguing. And I like Chandler. I mean, I know one of my big boards, I had Chandler as a lottery pick, and I thought, like, he just has it. You know, he gets into the paint. I think he's a good shooter and uh sneaky i think well earlier in the season he was averaging like 3 or 4 steals a game it was just i think he's like a, a pesky sneaky defender and then he's sneaky athletic and like he he'll, he'll he'll get some some dunks you know like i think at one point he had more dunks than Jabari Smith and so even though that doesn't necessarily mean a lot but i mean i just like his intangibles and i you know i, I didn't have him as like one of my guys that could really that could really like make a big name for himself in the tournament. But now just thinking about it, a strong run if he plays like he played in the SEC tournament, he could put himself in position to be selected over Ty Ty Washington, who some people may think is the first, I guess, point guard selected. Depending on if you have Jaden Ivey as a point guard, you know, we have so many guys in this draft to where we can't like box them into a position. You know, is Chet a four or five? Is jabari a four or five so um but yeah i think that kennedy chandler could end up being maybe the first point guard taken with a strong ncaa tournament run
0: yeah all right let's talk about our our favorite sponsor built bar longtime sponsor of nba big board And they have a new product called Puffs. And if you have been missing out on Built Bars, they're the best tasting bars, but Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not a protein bar, they are a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. And these are going to be your new favorite. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included. 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. These are better. Typical candy bar can be anywhere from 200 to 300 calories. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein for most Built bars. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, tons of flavors, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate, cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think of a flavor that might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, Rafael, every year there's Cinderella guys, guys that come out of nowhere, um, capture our imagination. Max Asemus absolutely had a great run last year. It didn't work out for him in the draft. He actually declared for the draft, didn't get the buzz that he'd hoped for, came back. Johnny Juzang, uh, big-time run for UCLA went from not really being talked about as a serious draft prospect to, again, getting serious consideration. He also declares for the draft, doesn't get really the buzz that he'd hoped. It, it diminished over time. But who's a guy who, because even like Kennedy Chandler and you know some of the guys we're talking about throughout LSU, but here's who's a guy who just can come out of nowhere or at least nowhere for the average fan and, and be sort of this... Cinderella darling anybody that you're eyeing
1: yeah and it's someone I guess it's like a a feel-good story but I'm rooting for Alan Flanagan he was a guy that he was one of the top returning prospects coming into the season suffered I think it was like a partially torn or or, or torn Achilles earlier in the year he was out like from the time when it happened maybe it's like he was out like 12 to 14 weeks he has not been able to regain the form that he had last year, and then obviously his role has changed with Jabari and and um, Walker Kessler, but he has the physical tools that you covet in a wing. He's athletic, he's strong, he can get downhill. He showed flashes of being a shot maker, and I think for him, and again, it's like a feel good story. But I would love to see him have a strong NCAA tournament to where he can get his draft stock where it was coming into the season. And uh, he could be the wild card. I mean, he could be the wild card if he just gets healthy within the next, or just shows the same flashes that he showed last year. I mean, you, you're talking about uh, adding on top of what you have with Jabari on the offensive end and, and and Walker on the defensive end. Now getting them like another downhill athletic wing slasher, Auburn could be in position. And it's funny to talk about Auburn competing for the national championship in basketball <laughs> it's like something that it doesn't happen often so Alan Flanagan would be like my feel-good I hope that he has a breakout NCAA tournament simply because you know I wonder like what does he do going forward does he come back to school for a senior year knowing that he's already had a significant injury or does he take the risk of declaring for the draft, knowing that he may not get drafted, and then just trying to figure out what goes from there. So I hope, like I said, that he has a strong run, puts himself in position, and maybe a team develops him, and he's he gets back on track to being the player that we thought he was going to be coming into the season.
0: You're right. Pre-injury, you know, he was projected anywhere from, like, late lottery to, to late first round. He, he hasn't been great coming back kind of in all fairness, but you're right. Like a big tournament and a long run for Auburn um, would be huge. I've got a couple names. I want to throw at you. First of all, like who's the guy like AceMus that could like capture the imagination of the world. And people will start having deep debates about whether this guy should be drafted high or not. David Roddy uh, out, out of Colorado, who is 6'5", 255 pounds. And like, the only guy that you can comp him to, and I'm not saying he's anywhere this caliber because I'm going to talk about a Hall of Famer, but he's kind of like a Charles Barkley in that you know, he he plays bigger than his size, but he also has wing skills uh, a- as well. He, he's a do-it-all type of guy at, at Colorado State. Um, most of the country probably hasn't seen Colorado State play. They're a sixth seed in the tournament. Uh, and and Roddy is really, really fun to watch, and he just doesn't look like, like I said, like any other play I can really think about till you go all the way back to kind of like Barkley, um, but he's really good, and I could see him putting up some big points at Colorado State this year in, in, in the tournament, and this being... You know, the, I always the proverbial the guy that Bill Simmons falls in love with and is asking why isn't this guy like higher on draft boards? And it's a, like a real debate. Scouts are already there. Scouts know about him, by the way, for sure. Uh, and there, that this debate is already happening. This won't be a surprise for scouts, but I think for the guys that really haven't dove, dove deep, deep into the draft yet, David Roddy is a, a name to watch.
1: Well, here's a, here's one for you. Just kind of throw things off. He could end up having a strong NCAA tournament and getting drafted in the NFL draft in April because he's already, I mean, he was known as a football player before, chose basketball, but that body type and footwork, I could see a team saying, we can turn him into a defensive end. We can turn him into a tight end. I mean, you look at Mark Vidal last year who has, excuse me, a similar body type, and Mark you know, was nowhere near as productive on the offensive end, and now Mark is playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. At least they're they're looking to develop him, so I could see that with Roddy. <laughs> oh, I forgot you're from the area, <laughs> so I could definitely see this weird scenario where, I mean, he, you know, becomes like a a, a darling of the NCAA tournament, and some NFL GM who's just stumbling across sees the six I think he's what like two fifty agile feet long arms and, and skilled and says this is antonio gates 2.0 <laughs> draft him
0: <Okay. laughs> so- yeah that, that's a good that's a great point i'm gonna throw another name at you dallin terry big point guard at arizona hasn't put up again huge numbers but you look at his age you look at the fact that he's six seven he has a really good pac 12 tournament um, for Arizona, they're a number one seed uh, point guard. As much as Ben Mathurin and Christian Coloco kind of get the draft buzz, you know, a big center and then a, and then a wing in Mathurin. Dallin Terry like ticks almost all of the boxes that NBA scouts are looking for physically. In um, a guard because he's going, he's got a, like a seven foot wingspan. I mean, you know this the size and and he's he's been kind of a glue guy and kind of steady. I think people forget about him a little bit. He's a sophomore, but he's young. He's really kind of the same age as a lot of freshmen. I, I thought he really popped in the Pac-12 um, tournament, and if Arizona goes on a deep run and he's popping the way that he was popping there everybody's going to ask, like, why isn't this guy a lottery pick? And I'm not sure that he couldn't end up being that at at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. A strong tournament run and then a great workout. And then he's someone that you could just start seeing, you know, around April and May and June. You're like, wow, this guy's stock has risen to the point where we're talking about him as, as a,
0: a mid first round pick. And you just never know how. It's Josh Primo again. Like it's. Josh Primo is sort of the, the, the exact sort of prototype here.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so. And that's what we talked about in the first segment. Like how much does the NCAA tournament play a role in a guy's draft stock? And I'm like yeah, it does. But it seems like. Guy's draft stock increases when they're not playing at all, <laughs> when, when they're in these one-on-none <laughs> workouts and you start hearing about these guys are improving their draft stock. So he's someone that definitely wants scouts kind of get an eye on him and they're focusing on him individually as opposed to like just coming to watch his teammates and kind of being an afterthought. He's someone that I could definitely see again, individual workout. You see the size, the length and, and all of that. And of course, a, a GM or is going to think that with our development program, we can turn him into this. So, yeah, that was a good call. That, that was one I didn't necessarily think of, but I mean, he, he is trending in the right direction at the right time.
0: Yeah. If I, if I like kind of count volume of like text or messages from scouts or GMs that are out at these conference tournaments or whatever, Dallin um, Terry was probably the single name where they're like, why is this guy not higher? Uh, on your board and and some of that is okay you know i think he's averaging like 7 points a game for for Arizona you know this year and you know obviously Matherin has been has been the the big folk focal point there but you you think about it and think how NBA guys are putting together and then you look at like okay we're talking about Zaire Williamson or Zaire Williams being Z, being a guy that didn't put up great numbers at Stanford or whatever. And I actually think I think Terry's numbers are not terrible. They, it's just the role that he was playing at Arizona. But, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I, he's a guy that I'm going to watch really carefully in the tournament and, and get ready to, like, spring low a jump um, if, if, if he plays well there. Who's your final four?
1: My final four is – oh, man, I just had it. I ha- Actually, I have
0: Iowa winning. <laughs> Iowa win. So, okay, your national champion is Iowa Wow Keegan, Keegan Murray is going to have to play out of his mind And so is his brother, Chris Who, by the way, is a potential draft prospect as well And, and, and I watched an Iowa game this year Where he was better than his brother That didn't happen very often But um, I just happened to tune in. I can't remember who they were playing, where it was actually Chris. Uh, Keegan got into foul trouble, and Chris kind of came in and did his best Keegan-Murray impersonation. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so there, there's some real talent there. He's been overshadowed by his brother, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just I uh, just okay, had so, uh, Keegan. Champion. Yeah, I had
1: Iowa against uh, – well, I have Duke winning the national championship, but my final game was Iowa. Wait, I thought you said Iowa. I'm sorry, yes. Um, I, I had Iowa in the in, in the championship. And then Duke beating Coach K going out as the champion. But I had Keegan Murray going on this ridiculous one-man. Well, not necessarily one man. He has his brother, and then he has the other guy, I think his name, who's been there like 10 years. <laughs> I feel like he played with, with A.C. Earl and Chris Kingsbury. Uh, what's, the, what's the guy's name, the shooter that's been there? Um, Bohannon, is that his name? that's that's been there forever but yeah i just have keegan murray having like this amazing steph curry like tournament run well even though you know he's, he's been dominating but just this run that just makes him the, the 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 media darling of the tournament but i'm going with coach k going out on top
0: yeah i i've I a, a duke duke for sure when you just look because of the nba potential that it's there it's hard to not fathom that they can't beat anybody with five, five potential NBA first round picks. They should be beating everybody, but uh, they're also very young, and uh, and 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 I, I yeah too many, and they don't really have a clear point guard on their team, which I think at times means that you don't in, in tournament consistent guard play becomes a really important issue. And you know Wendell Moore can do it some nights, and Trevor Keels you know handles the ball a bit, but. Um, i i worry a little bit about them and especially you know their guard when their guard play falls apart so does duke and uh that that seems to be um an issue um the other the other team so uh my final two is going to be um and believe it or not i usually pick kansas uh but I feel like Kansas actually only wins things when I don't pick them. So now I reverse jinx it and not don't pick Kansas. Kansas is the number one seed that also typically doesn't bear well for Kansas. Um, I've got I've got Gonzaga and Auburn in the in the final um, with Gonzaga beating Auburn. And and of course as a draft nut, I'm praying that we get to see Jabari Smith and Chet um go after go after each other and 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 not only fight it out for a national championship but maybe fight it out for who um is is the number one pick uh in, in the draft that, that that that's the dream matchup um uh, for me uh is and then we get to see chet head-to-head with boncaro and and jabari smith uh, as well as well as Jalen duran that, that would be quite a run um for them as well with with the gonzaga winning it all yeah great for us and they yeah look I, I, I root that way I mean I, I, I my heart will always be with Kansas um, but my draft mind will always be rooting for great draft matchups uh, that help us crystallize our opinions when these guys are head to head.
1: Yeah I mean a good run, run for Portland. a good run for Kansas I was gonna say was will be big for Christian Brown. he could leapfrog his teammate Akbaji and be the first Kansas player drafted if he has a good tournament
0: in Kansas goes a long way so that would, that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, and Abaji's cooled a little bit, uh, kind of coming down the stretch from the incredibly hot start there. Jalen Wilson actually is another off-the-radar guy for Kansas that uh, I think coming into the season, if you ask most scouts who was the most likely NBA prospect on their roster, they would have picked him. He had some some off-the-court trouble to kind of start the season, got this little start. He's actually been playing a lot better Um, lately as well and so there there's there's three guys at Kansas to really you know take a look at but yeah I'm gonna go Gonzaga he's uh, Rafael Barlow's got Duke check out uh, all the stuff that we're doing over at nbabigboard.com including a March Madness contest Um, you're gonna have to hurry and get over there and uh, make your picks and we'll offer a lifetime free subscription to NBA Big Board if you win the bracket challenge. Listen to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha.